Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of The Future of Email. My guest today, Josh Kropkoff, CEO of The Email Agency. Welcome, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Tell me about the wolf. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a wolf over your shoulder if yeah, you're listening. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's funny. Every once in a while, somebody asks that. Yeah. It's just cool. I, I did not like having a, a blank wall behind me. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I also don't like the whole, like the fake backgrounds where sometimes my hand disappears or something when I'm, I'm talking to you. So I like having a nice painting. I've got the blur background and my, my earlobe keeps kind of flicking in and out of the universe. It's like being splinched in Harry Potter or something like that. Hey, give people the top line about the email agency. I've read up on you a little bit, so I'll ask annoying questions, but always good to hear it directly from the top. For sure. And and just to have to say before we start, you pronounced my name perfectly and you had never asked me. So I'm actually really impressed because most people woof it. Happens. Yeah, no, most people don't say my name right. So I was uh, like, okay. Phew. And I should have asked you beforehand. So my bad. No, no, it was great. Cool. So yeah, the email agency, we are, as our name suggests, we do email marketing. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> but we are mostly e-commerce focused. So we, we do email and SMS marketing for direct-to-consumer e-commerce brands, although we do work with several that are a little bit more in the B2B space or the wholesale or like a combination. Yeah. And a few others that aren't even considered that. But but yeah, that's that's our main thing. And we've been doing it since 2018. We're, I'd say, pretty pretty much still new. You know, it's it's been a few years. Yeah. We are a small team. There's eight of us and we don't, you know, we're a boutique agency. We, we service kind of a, a smaller group of clients, but we're all about getting better results than whatever you are getting now or were getting before. So yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what led to the focus on mostly D to C companies? Did that just happen organically? Sort of. So I like, we kind of come from a background of direct response marketing, which is not as traditionally a part of e-commerce D2C, but our, some of our mentors who were more in the space of like digital, I guess, like digital marketing, digital products, things like that, they sort of started to steer us in the direction, I guess, of, of e-commerce. And this was, this was back in like 2017, 2018. We were actually at the time trying to start a business selling our own products online and didn't have a lot of success at it because we had no idea about traffic. We just were oh, okay. yeah. new business owners right out of school. Yeah. But what we did learn was email at that time and how yeah. effective email was and sort of having our own email list and being able to, to send emails and sell stuff was just really cool. Though we kind of found our way into D to C because we, we saw this gap where it was like, why aren't D to C brands, why aren't these people selling physical products like, you know, clothes or furniture or electronics? Like, why are they not doing the things that we learned about? Like, why do their emails seem so different than, than what we're doing? And, and so we were like, well, can we sort of fill that gap? What if yeah. we, we took some of that and applied it here? How would it work? And we weren't sure if it would work. And I think there's a lot of resistance to it a little bit, but it yeah. turned out that it actually gets way better results. So in the, in the rear view mirror, perhaps, but what's your, what's your assessment now of why there was such a gap in the landscape as far as email and, and those sorts of businesses? So I think that 
this still exists for sure. I, I think that there's a, a a dichotomy almost to where people in the D2C space come from a, a more traditional, like either marketing or more, more traditional business background, which is not a bad thing. That's why I love working with, with these types of businesses, because they understand they have to worry about so much more than just marketing, right? That they're worrying about fulfillment. They're worried about supply chain issues, real know, stuff, inventory products. Exactly. Whereas the, the world I came from before this, they're not dealing with any of that. They're just selling online products online yeah. and everything is marketing focused, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there isn't enough crossover between the two worlds. I think it's changing more now, but you asked me why. And, and I just think that it, it has to do with sort of the history of where advertising came from, like classic advertising back in the fifties and sixties was very direct response, but with the invention of TV, it started going way more like branding. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think over time, what happened is it actually became the, the e-commerce world came from a very corporate dominated world where you had big retail brands, right? And until very recently, this is all like still pretty new where yeah. anyone can start their own retail business online. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is when they start that, a lot of times they're not sure what to do in the marketing sense where they'll yeah. be like, okay, how do I promote my products? How do I talk about my products? How do I show up? Well, they just look at what the big brands are doing yeah. and they say, let me copy that. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's actually not a great idea. And we can get into more of that. <laughs> right. But, but that's, I think where the sort of the gap is. And, and so I'm trying to bridge that gap as much as possible, but it's a, an uphill battle for sure. There's, there's two other factors that I think, and I'm just spitballing, but I think could potentially play a role in that, in the pattern, you know, have created that, that opportunity gap for, for the email agency. One, if the founders are younger than email itself, it may not be the first channel they think of. Mm -hmm. And I, I know quite a number of the, the D, the D to C brands that jump to mind for me tend to have younger founders. Yeah. We're like, why don't you do it this way? Like from the very beginning, I don't need a brick and mortar store. Email may not be top of mind for, for them. And I, and I do wonder if that plays a role. The second one, and I do think this is shifting. The second one is we're all prisoners of our tools yeah. to some extent. And if you do a bunch of work to stand up an e-commerce store, none of that work necessarily results in you having the tools at your fingertips for email marketing. Shopify, Klaviyo's uh, pair up and strong relationship, I think is changing that on the, on the, it's not just smaller businesses using Shopify, but it's changing it on that particular platform. Right. But someone who does heavy, you know, e-commerce e through, let's say Amazon, you know, an Amazon store, whatever you call that. Right. Like they don't necessarily have an email tool set. And I know Amazon's kind of poking in that direction now, but, right. and it's a, it's a substantial separate job to figure out how to do that. It's a lot lot smarter to turn to an expert and say, how do we do this effectively? For sure. And yeah, it's, it's interesting about Amazon because it's like that, that's always sort of a, a, an issue people run into. And I think Amazon FBA sellers have, you know, great success 
with that channel. And, And a lot of times, like now, a lot of my DTC clients who didn't have that are branching into that also. Are they? Okay. Yeah. Revenue generator. But the issue is you don't have the email list there, right? You can't, you can't have it. So that creates a problem for you because, you know, most of your profit is going to be made on the back end, right? Through repeat purchases and and lifetime value and so on. So it's hard to not have that list. Yeah. And that, and in that sense, Amazon's an extreme version of big digital ecosystem where you're renting pieces, but you don't really own the store, so to speak, and, yeah. or, or the, or, or the relationship with the customers, which is one of the things that I really like about emails. There's no one in the middle of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you own it. That's, that's, what's so cool about it is yeah. you own that traffic. Yeah. And I think more and more people, more and more brands are becoming aware of how important it is because yeah of how much more difficult it is today to just start up a store and profit from front-end advertising, book ads, you know, Google, PPC, what have you. Yeah. Uh, That stuff is so much harder today than it was just two years ago. Well, and and volatile costs and, and we've got a, one of, one of the companies I've involved in, we've got a customer who's done most of their, they've done most of their acquisition over the last couple of years through Facebook acquisition, growing their email list. And they're not happy with the way their costs have just escalated and escalated. I think the CEO said, you know, if, if I knew it was going to be like this, I'd have done a lot more early on when it was, you know, less expensive, less controlled, less, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, be like, okay, focus on your email instead. I have seen, I have seen standout success from D to C brands. And they seem, they seem to pop up a lot, at least in my limited experience in that uh, Shopify Clavio world, because the left hand and the right hand, knowing what is happening, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that I'm buying fill in the blanks. So I might need to fill in the blanks number two to go with it makes, makes for a much richer back and forth in the email channel. And, and if you don't have those pieces wired together, which is it's no guarantee you do, right. it's harder. To right. keep track, to you know, stay relevant, to understand what it is this customer needs from you, and and speak accordingly. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of brands sort of struggle with this because there is an environment that we live in now where, you know, people talk about inbox clutter. People talk about I get too many emails, yeah. and there's sort of a, I think almost a stigma against relying too heavily on the email channel. Hmm. Uh, And so I think that there's sort of this, uh, these all come down to just, you know, over time, people sort of becoming more aware of things. And I, I think we're trending in the positive direction, but there's sort of a misunderstanding, I think, of how you look at the email channel, because I always say it's not a marketing channel. Don't think of it like a marketing channel. It's a relationship channel. Well put. Yeah. Here, here. And I think that's a big difference is like people don't, and, and then that makes sense, right? Like, okay, yeah, it is. I, I can, it's a relationship channel. All right. But what does that look like? Okay. How do I have a relationship yeah. with someone through yeah. an email? Yeah. And I think it comes down to conversation. Actually, I think it comes down to seeing it as a place for conversation. Cause that's, that's what email is, right? Like that's where it comes from. It was never 
supposed to be a place for advertisement. Right. Just that's not what it initially was for. It got used that way very, very quickly. Um, yes. Yes. You know, but I think Digital Equipment 70s. Corporation, first email campaign ever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 70s, right? Yeah, 70s. Uh, and, and it was like the most successful spam email in, in the world. Yeah, right. it, yeah. In, you know, if I don't know if we want to hug the guy or curse him. It would have happened sooner or later, right? And the fact that it's the channel that doesn't have a gatekeeper and doesn't really have a toll running, right? The cost of sending email isn't when you hit the send button. Yeah. It's all of the pieces involved in what goes out being useful and valuable and, you know, right for that customer and so on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, relationship channel, I, I, I like that. There's a, there's a brand that's kind of been going to the back of my head as a good example of D2C. Curse, curse, curse me for saying this, but I've, I've started playing golf thanks to a friend of mine. And as I started equipping myself with, with clubs from this century, I ended up buying from a small, a smallish D2C golf club brand. And I've been blown away at their email game. Like they're really good. If okay. I look at something, they know I've looked at it, but they don't automatically pounce. They do, they do stay on the follow-up and then the steady stream of, Hey, what club would you use in, you know, watch this video. What club would you use here? Stuff that's keeps them right, you know, right at the tip of my mind, even though I think the bag is about as full as it needs to be for my limited skills. It's like, they're doing a good job with that channel. And I think I read somewhere that when they brought someone in to help them with email, that's when their sales started spiking. They started realizing, Oh, this is how you do it. Cause you're not going to buy one golf club. Mm -hmm. You're just not. Yeah. Yeah. What for you, I'm just curious, like what, what made you kind of like want to keep reading their emails or was it, I mean, putting aside the fact that you're an email guy, cause I know we're kind of, yeah. we're in the game. Yeah, so it's we're weird, right? <laughs> be right. But um, if you had to pull yourself out of it, like what? They, they, and I'll, I'll give them the, we'll give them the compliment here. 15 minutes of fame, guys. It's bomb tech golf up in Vermont. They, they keep a really deft cadence between stuff that's just purely interesting and no sale. And, oh yeah, we've, you know, we've got a special going on, you know, 72 degree wedge or something like that. And I do find myself keeping an eye on the sales side of it. Why? Because you're never going to buy just one golf club. <laughs> but then the other stuff, when I open it, it's almost always like, oh, well, it was interesting. And it was, it had, it had its own, it had its own style and personal feel, not, not like somebody sat down and you know, pulled a template off a shelf and tried to fill in my name and put golf club in there when, instead of, you know, garden tool, yeah, like right. it, it's gen, it's very genuinely inside, inside that world material that's, that's coming my way. And they don't personalize super explicitly, like first name's dead. I think you, I think you and I were talking about that in advance, but I know that what I get is probably what you'd get because I've bought other things from them and they've kept track of it, as I said, with that mar Marriott between, I'm sure they're Shopify plus Clavio. I'm just sure of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting because I think that the biggest problem that most companies run into with email is that they're too predictable. It's, it's always the same stuff, right? It's, I know, I don't have to open the email because I already know what's what going to be. Not only are you telling me in the subject line that it's another sale, but yeah. 
that's yeah. all you ever send me. <laughs> that's all you ever send me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's how, how do we get away from that and still be profitable? And I think that it, it, it does come back to this relationship thing because what a lot of these brands maybe don't realize, maybe don't have the, the resources necessarily, or maybe whoever's doing the email isn't really treating it this way, whether, yeah. you know, no, not necessarily their fault. Okay. But you can increase the value of that asset, meaning the email list as yeah. an asset of your company through keeping more people engaged over time. Yeah. Even if those, like, you're not sending an, a sale email. Okay. You're sending an interesting engagement email yeah. that's during a conversation that's already happening in their brain. Yeah. But what's interesting is that they're reading, right? If, if you get enough people, more than the typical company gets a greater percentage to actually keep with your emails ha now doing it this way. Also, you have great deliverability, which is a different conversation. It's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, what if your emails are in my primary inbox, not yeah. my promotions tab? Yeah. What if I'm reading them consistently? And then when you do have a sale at the end of the year, I'm there, I'm showing up because you've kept me this whole time. Yeah. You're not just yeah. sending me sales and things, but yeah. it's interesting also that like we talk about personalization and everyone talks about that now, right? It's, it's a, becoming like a thing, like personalization. Oh, do um, tell me your perspective. This will be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, look, I'm a little different than, than a lot of the, the people you'll hear talk about this. So I, I think, you know, what is it not, right? Okay. What's, what's personalization not? It's not first name merge tag, right? Dear. Josh, yes. that's not yeah. personalization. Yeah. No. Geo-targeting is different to me. That's not like, okay, you know where I live? That's awesome. That's not personalization. Showing me the products that you think I want to see. Maybe, okay, Maybe. to me, pers personalization is synonymous with persona and personality. I want to connect with you. That's what personalization is. If Think about it like this. Why are you more inclined to keep doing business with your local pizza parlor yeah, yeah mom and pop pizza parlor that you've kept going to for 17 years well there's a personality there's a connection there and they're giving you personalized service but what does that mean it means that you actually have a connection with that person and i think that this is a huge missed opportunity in email marketing it's something that that maybe is scary to some people and i've i've you know come up against a lot of resistance to this. I have a great story I can tell you in a few minutes, but like, why not have a person send your emails? Why not have a face, a person behind your email? Hallelujah. Right? I'm so glad you said that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, have you, have you experienced this? Like, is this something that, that you thought about? Like, you know, I had a, I had a guest on this podcast about a year ago and mea culpa, I am blanking on the name. <laughs> Okay. But his approach to email, not in the same niche you're in, but was very philosophically what you just said. He's like, you know, he said, my email list, and this is a, I think a one man, one man strategic consulting agency. He said, my email list is, you know, such and such big, but like 60%, 60 percent read rate or something like that. And he said, it's because I write every word and it's very much my style, my voice, my subject matter, and, and my name on it. He's, it's not fake. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's an actual person 
And, and I ended up citing him about every other conversation about email. Ben Thompson writes a newsletter called Stratechery that I'm a loyal subscriber of. Yeah. The guy's freaking brilliant. He writes prolifically and well. And like, there's no question I get Ben Thompson's, you know, voice in those emails. And I yeah. pretty much first thing I open every morning. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, it is, this is what brands, I think more are coming around to this now, but it's so important yeah. because this is partly becoming more important because of what's going on with social media. And because that channel is, is less effective, you have to treat your email list a little bit more like a social channel. Mm. And that means showing up with a, a personality. And a lot of people, I mean, I've seen both sides of it. Like there are brands who I've worked with who like totally would not, they, you know, just against not this. Their style. Like, I, this needs to be a, a sort of just behind the logo. Like this is the brand, yeah. you know, I don't know who's talking to me. You know, I'm reading the email. Is this coming from, you know, a boardroom? Is this coming from, you know, does the logo yeah. have a voice, right? What is a brand voice? Well, I would argue, try making a person as the face of, of yeah. your brand. Yeah. And, um, nice. I like that. Do we have time for a quick story on this? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So uh, a few years ago when we were really kind of starting to do this for, for larger companies for the first time. We had like a few smaller clients and then we started to get some, some larger ones. Mm -hmm. And we got this client who was, they are one of the more recognized home decor. They're in the, the home decor space and in this particular niche, which has to do with framing pictures, essentially mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're at the top. So they weren't like having much success on the email side. Email was making up less than 3% of this company's total revenue. And this, at the time, they were a, a high-level eight-figure company. They're now a, a multi-nine-figure company. But when we came in, we had some initial resistance and pushback to this idea. Yeah. And so we, we basically said, let us do a test. Yeah. Let us give you something to test against your current, they had like a, a certain email sequence that would go to a new person who signs up a welcome flow. Right. And we said, let us test one. They said, all right, fine. We did this very, very extreme. So they had very typical common branding emails for their company, looked like anything else in your inbox. What we did was wrote, we wrote plain text emails mm -hmm. coming from a character we made up. Mm -hmm. Her name was Colleen and she was the super fan of the brand. She was basically obsessed with this brand and had all their stuff all over her house. And the emails were all telling stories from her standpoint mm -hmm. of different ways she uses the product. They were so scared to try this. I was at first, I was like, I don't even know if they're going to do it, if they're going to test yeah. it. Yeah, they did. But at first they were like, we're going to give you 10% of traffic. It's like, yeah. all right, eventually it started working. They were like, all right, we'll do the 50, 50. They ran it for a hundred days. It did 85% more revenue. That's, that's Not only awesome. that. Yeah, not only that, but like click through rate through yeah. the roof. Yeah. Open yeah. rate. Yeah. Way higher because it's yeah. getting inboxed. Yeah. Average order value. Yeah. So much higher. So much higher. Yeah. So nice. Me, like that's the ultimate test. That was the thing that really like proved to us because this was early 2020. Yeah. And we were still pretty, you know, we'd only been doing this for a year and a half. And we yeah. were still very, it was just me and my two business partners at the time, no team. Um, and we were like this. This changes, like this proves what we've been trying to do, right? Yeah. This was yeah. like our big proof of concept. 
That's awesome. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. The sad part is they didn't, they didn't want to continue going. They went with it for, for a little while. They went with us for like six months, but ultimately like, this is the thing with some of these companies is that, that there is a, an ego factor that can get in the way a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. still, it's funny. I think I heard some, one of your guests recently, I listened to a few of your, your episodes and they said at the end of the day was the client care about revenue. And like, that's the number one thing. And man, I wish that were true. I wish that was the number one thing. They might say it is, but you know what? If, if every company said, you know, if they truly cared about revenue as the number one thing, they'd all be sending plain text emails. They'd all be, they'd all be doing direct response, just very personal, like, you know, person in front of the, the, the brand. And I think that that, that would be like the majority of what you would see. And I know there's a knowledge gap. We've been talking about it, but I, I, you know, I've seen this time and time again, where even when it proves to work so much better at the end of the day, it's really, really hard to break from sort of just this, this view that, that people have about emailing what it should look like and what right. it should feel like. They I'm not, in, I'm not entirely surprised that you see that challenge in the landscape and that you even have a proven successful, you know approach dropped, right? Because companies will say that revenue is the focus, but at a certain, at a certain scale, a lot of it tends to be acquisition of internal power is the real focus on an employee by employee basis. And there, there is a, there is an unwritten sort of template. Yeah. I think you, you kind of touched on it already. And as I go through my inbox, I expect stuff to kind of look, act, smell, be like it, you know, like it's supposed to, even though that right. doesn't necessarily work. And, and as a, you know, I've run creative agencies myself, I got to where I just couldn't stand the brand police at big companies mm -hmm. because they were so intent on yanking the big cookie cutter out and going ka-chunk, they mm -hmm. pretty much killed uh, any, any actual creative undertaking. It's like, no, it's not on brand. Well, if you if your brand's putting everyone to sleep, maybe you should be looking at that. But they wield a lot of power, for sure. And I, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Like branding is important; it's sure. super important. Sure. And brand guidelines are important. And we don't. I don't subscribe to like. I don't want people to think that like that's what we do because we very out, rarely yeah. do these days a, a plain text email. Although mm -hmm. we do them when like as long as a client is is okay with it. Yeah. That is something that we, we sprinkle that in because it is very, very effective, yeah, but it true. goes to this principle of not being so predictable. Yeah. You want to vary because this is what keeps people engaged. Like a good email program, people get hung up on the frequency thing. And I hear this all the time. It's like, don't send, I don't care what you're selling. I don't want to see your, your emails five times a week. Well, here's the thing about that. Like it, in reality, no one expects that you're going to read every single email, but think about, do you follow any YouTubers? A few. Yeah, a few. Okay. Like most YouTubers that are, that are good, that have like a big following, they, there's videos every day, right? Yeah. Sometimes more than once a day, but yep. pretty much every day. All the time. Do you yeah. necessarily watch every video? No. Sure. Right. But the you're keeping up with it on some level. Like if this is a YouTuber you're subscribed to, you're interested yeah. in, like them, 
you're going to go back. I do this all the time. It's like when I have some free time, I'm going to binge watch the videos for the last month because yeah, they're all great. But the key is what's happening there is I'm connecting with this person. They're giving me value. There's a reason I'm, I'm watching this person's videos, right? So you can do that same thing with email. And that's, I think what people don't quite realize. And you can do it as a brand. I strongly, you know, my view is you should have a person. I think it's very, you know, much more effective if you yeah. can have yeah. a character and yeah. they they at least show up sometimes, right? Yeah. Whether it's yeah. a real person, the founder of the company, yep. or whether it's a made up character, like I yep. just described, but you can still get the same effect, you know, speaking as the brand, but you have to be giving people value. And what that comes down to is a connection and, you know, being not so predictable, but giving me something that I actually want to read about. And, and this is the the thing that like, what we run into is like, you mentioned how there's sort of like a, a structure with companies internally, there's a struggle where it's like sort of a, you know, that cookie cutter way of doing things. Well, I think what a lot of companies are, are getting, they're sort of missing the mark on email, but this goes to everything else is that they get hung up on sort of the wrong things like, okay. My email, I want my email program to be good. And in order to do that, I have to have my email department and I need, I need coders. I need, I need this sort of like QA system, et cetera, et cetera. Look, I don't have a single coder in my company. We've never needed one. And I have nothing against coders. We work with them from time to time. I'm just saying, here's what's essential. We talk to companies who we have to spend time in the beginning with them working on things like their USP, like. What makes you unique? What makes your golf clubs different right, than right. every yeah. other golf club out there? Yeah. And a lot of brands will say, oh, no, we have this down. But do you really, though? Do you really? <laughs> have you really thought about it? And the yeah. thing is, it should evolve. Like, it's not one of those set it and forget it things. Like, yeah, that's good. Like, these, these different things, unique mechanism, USP, these are, you know, high level direct response things, but yeah. like yeah. even just understanding the awareness level of the people at different stages of the customer journey, are they, are they product aware? Are they, are they problem aware, solution aware? These are like different psychological levels that people are on when they are mm-hmm. at different stages with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a big one, like what are their objections and how am I overcoming them? How am I answering that in mm-hmm. copy and, and my branding? So these are the things that I find most people, you know, and I, we work with mostly seven figure companies and, and like eight figure, some eight figure, but most are in the seven figure. And a lot of times the founder is, they love the initial part of like our, our onboarding and our like getting to know them in the first week or two, because we sit down with them and we discuss these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go and we do our research and then we come back to them because we're online looking at forums, like places where people are discussing things just really openly and like Reddit forums and things like that. Yeah. And so you, you come back and, and founders are like, holy crap. Like I didn't even think about it that way. Um, I didn't know people were saying this about my product or, you know, that people in my space that I'm trying to get to use my product are thinking this way. They end up changing different other aspects of their marketing that have nothing to do with email. Because now we have them thinking in this way of like 
psychologically what's going on in the consumer's mind. So mm. I know I'm I'm kind of rambling here. No, no, no. This that's really it's really an invaluable approach. And you're talking about such strong fundamentals, right? right? They're not channel. They're they're not about the channel. Right. They're like yeah. about the fundamentals of what's this business do for whom, and and really pinning that down, right? So that it's it's said in the in the email marketing space that one of the problems with email is it works even when you do it badly, and I think there's some truth to that. Right? Companies can have a relatively limp approach to the channel and still end up making the cash register you know ring more than it costs them to run the channel which is a far cry from what would happen if you did it really well, like you're obviously right. helping your clients do. Yeah, you'll see it in in certain metrics. You're, you're right, like overall, because you can have people that kind of phone it in in a, in a sense of yeah. where like, they've been sending the same emails yeah. in, in the same yeah. way for yeah. years. Yes. And they make money. <laughs> we call that sort of a churn and burn though. Like, yeah, because yeah, it's like, yeah get the lead to sign up, you know, get yep. them the discount. And then if they either, I've heard people use the term buy or die. I hate that term. It's like, like that's how that's you think awful. of it, right? <laughs> and they, but they'll, they'll literally say like, this is the, the, like they have to buy by this certain point or they're going to stop getting emails from yeah. me and I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can do it that way. You're going to miss the entire value of the, and and I think people, they don't a lot of times realize how much of an asset the email list, like this gets valuated when companies do about yeah, when you're yeah. selling a company and their yeah. evaluation, you want to put a dollar value on every lead on the list. So I just mentioned there's metrics where this comes out. Well, the people who are doing what you just talked about, a lot of times that stat dollar per active subscriber or, you know, in, in, Clavio terms, it's like they look at RPR revenue per recipient, which isn't as good. It's 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 interesting, not quite as good though. I like yeah. dollar per subscriber, dollar per active subscriber, yeah. because this is a true measure of the value of that list. And over time, is that going up or is it going down? Going down, nice. Going up, yeah. Um, nice. And the thing is that a company that's not treating the channel like a relationship channel, it will not go up over time. Right. It'll either be flatline or it'll go, in most cases, it goes down over right. time. Right. Even though your list is bigger, you're making way more, way less per person on the list. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's attention. not getting your word of mouth and, and yeah, and all the other struggles that go with, and I would bet you've seen churn higher on those. And if, if what's, what, what was the metric you just mentioned? The rep uh, dollar per? Active, per active subscriber. Dollar per active. I'm betting if dollar per active is trending up, that your churn rate is going to be lower than the guy whose dollar per active subscriber is trending right. flat or down. Right. It's yeah. got to be. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm. I'm fascinated. I'm still kind of. I'm hooked. 15 minutes ago, when you were talking about bring about creating a persona. Okay. Cool. For the from on a company, my my background before I started doing this many years ago now was, was a professional theater director. So, Sorry. yeah. So I've got a longstanding fascination with narrative and narrative structures and character and character design and stuff like that. And I can totally see the value of the approach. I'm going to bet there's companies, there are companies who've had that happen kind of accidentally with an actual employee <laughs> and they're hooped. 
if if he or she actually picks up and leaves, like, wait a minute, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna replace you? Is the relationship fulcrum with all of those customers out there versus a persona which they can actually own? Right, right. Yeah, I see what you're saying because because you could have this person, and this happens all the time, right? Where there's a person who's yeah. got this connection with the customer, yeah, and yeah, that person leaves. That's why it is still about the brand voice, right? For mm-hmm. a lot of these companies. It's cool that you mentioned your background being in theater. I, I've done a little theater, but I, I used to be a magician. That was my no kidding. Um, awesome. career for many years in high school, college, and a little bit after that. And so I, I'm familiar with the whole, like the performance kind of yeah. thing. And, and yeah. I think that that is a perfect, like, and maybe that's why I approach things this way, but you know, a lot of people ask me, well, what is direct response, right? Like, what does that really mean when you talk about direct response marketing? And I, I might've mentioned this earlier, but like, it's just about that connection. It's about having a connection. It's not, you know, people think of it as like being very salesy or like pushing a sale on people. Like that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about having this connection. So a good way to think of it is I use a radio analogy. That's like my my favorite analogy for an email list is a huh. good radio host yes. will have this connection with an audience. Yes. They're on the radio every day. Yes. Doesn't mean you're tuning in every day for every hour. They're on there two, three. I mean, I've heard shows yeah. where the same guys on five, six hours. <clears throat> you're yeah. not listening to the whole thing. However, yeah. Yeah. if they're a good radio host, they have an audience that has this connection with them. They love hearing their voice. They tune in and they're like, he's talking to me. Or she's talking to me. Yep. Two of the these are two very opposite people, and and I make no, I have no opinion on on either of them. But like the two greatest radio hosts of all time were Howard Stern, or still him, still there, and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, uh, by the numbers, yeah, yeah, two Absolutely. totally opposite people talking about totally different things. They're probably two very different opinions from each other, but like both of them, tens of millions of listeners. And they really have the ability to have this connection with people that is insane when you think about it, how it crosses just every like barrier physically because it's like these radio waves, right? Not to get into all that stuff, but like my point is with the email list, this actually gives anyone the ability to do the same thing. Talk about the future of email. I actually think in the future, way more people will have email lists. I think it's trending that way. I think more people. Yeah, I think you know. I think you're probably right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hook it, I'm gonna hook an unexpected thing. I'm gonna hook three unexpected things together at once if I can here. One, everything you just outlined about the persona approach, which I I think is wonderful and agree with fundamentally, is one of the reasons why I don't lie awake at night worrying at all about AI, at least the chat form of AI invading the email space. I got a text from a friend this morning, because I want to talk to you about text a little bit as well. I got a text from a friend this morning. She happens to be a counselor, like, you know, helps clients with the, helps clients work through their, you know, their particular moments in life. And she sent me, she sent me a, she recorded herself saying something that she frequently says to clients and then she fed it through an AI and I forget which one to get it sort of cleaned up. 
because conversational recordings don't look like you want a written document to look. Okay. But what we agreed on in text, and this is going back and forth in text, was how freaking bland mm. the AI output was. It was like, yeah, it sort of got everything you said. And I said, Margaret, oh, I gave her name away. Margaret, Mary, whatever her name was. Sorry. I said, do you remember how blurry the early digital camera pictures were? Mm -hmm. He said, yeah. And I said, this is the linguistic equivalent. Like it got what you said, but it's really fricking blurry. And I really don't want to look at it because it's kind of averaged it out. And it sounds like corporate speak and it's lost all of the charm and authenticity that was there in what you said and fed into the, the beast. And, and I think we will start seeing we are, I'm sure, seeing a, you know, AI-driven copy because people are people love to cut a corner. It's going to flop because it mostly sucks. You can't always put your finger on why it sucks, but it doesn't have any personality. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting topic for sure. It's, it's a huge thing in our, oh. in our space right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> in the direct response space, like the more traditional direct response internet marketing world, like it's yeah. a topic. Yeah, but sure. What I think is that you, it will evolve. Like what, what you're saying is absolutely true. Like it's not the greatest. For now. You know, it evolves fast though, right? So here's, here's what it'll mean. Because I think you're right. People, brands, companies, they, they may try to, as they are, cut corners. Some people where it's like, I'm just going to feed stuff into this machine and spit it out and use that to produce content, emails, posts, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a problem with that where like, yes, it can definitely seem like it was written. And sometimes you can absolutely tell instantly like, okay, chat yeah. GPT did this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's cool is though, if, if you have a good prompt and this is something I am not an expert in, but I'm learning it. There are a few guys out there that are really, really doing some work on this. I won't name drop anyone here right now, but there's a, a book I read recently, Rob Allen. That's who, who wrote the book. It's a, something like how to be an AI prompt engineer. Basically, <laughs> it's, you, you, there are ways to yeah. feed chat GPT the perfect prompts sure. so that you get really good stuff yeah. out of it. I think it's... What you need is if someone understands direct response copywriting, yeah, that person can actually create really good prompts. That makes sense. And engineer a, a perfect response. I'll tell you what I use it for. This is a bit of an inside baseball thing that I don't tell anyone, but I've played around with this. So we do some cold email, mm -hmm. not a ton. That's interesting though. We actually have some clients who are having us do it for certain things, basically like wholesale accounts and where yeah. we're experimenting with that. But we've always done it for our agency. It's the way we started getting clients in yeah. late 2018, early 2019. And it's something we've always, even though we get clients other ways now, we still do the cold email. Just this tradition and, and it, it, it works when it works and sometimes doesn't work, but it's good to have it out there. Anyway, what I've done is I've said, I've taken cold emails and I put them in the chat GPT and said, write this in the voice of blank and I'll pick a, a TV character yeah. and oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny to see it spit something out. I don't know if you're familiar with the show Mad Men, sure. but I've had it Don write, Draper. yeah, write this how Don Draper would say it. It's on point. <laughs> it's so perfect how 
Don Draper would say it. So it's funny. You can't necessarily just take what it says and use yeah. it. You got to yeah. edit and make it your own. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff, it, I think, is fun. But, you know, I so hope it, it... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you. I, I think we just outlined, uh, hopefully, some, hopefully some of the big email service providers end up listening to this episode because I, episode, I think we just outlined what they'll end up doing eventually, which is do not give me the bland AI to help me with email copy. copy. Let me buy a persona from you. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That, that's I a, know it's hard. Uh, you know what I want it to do is I really want the AI to take care of the more technical stuff. That's what I feel like it should be taking care of. Yeah. I want it to figure out how to make, you know, the email, if I'm using an email that's, that has a lot of graphics, it's got, you know, a good visual to it. You know, it should display correctly on every device without us having to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, worry yeah. now about like dark mode and things yeah, like that yeah, okay. yeah. ai should be taking care of all of that we should not have human beings having to worry about how to you know manipulate the software to do certain things the <laughs> software should do those things itself that's what ai <laughs> should be yep <laughs> we'll see, right we'll see we'll see yeah we'll see heads exploding somewhere as people who you know spend decades mastering the intricacies of but, uh, email HTML, which is just a gnarly space. I'm, right. Like, like, do I think eventually that there'll be synthetic mastery of that of that handcraft? Yeah, I do. I hope for the same reason you do. It's like we should not have people who are sitting there closing, you know, closing carrots and slashes for yeah. a living. Like, God dang, right? Yeah, that's that's hard work. It's I mean, grim, man. And and I'd like to see what AI can do in the design field. We'll see. Yeah. You know, we, our philosophy, which is, you know, again, pretty different than a, a lot of the agencies out there is that the, the design follows the copy. So, you know, for us, it is, we're creating a message. We're creating the, the words that are going to sell your product and create a relationship and get, you know, great engagement mm-hmm. and have that connection. Our designers, what they do is the copy is almost like a creative brief for them. They have right. to, that's why like our designers are not traditional, like HTML designers or like coders. We have more like artists and like illustrators and people nice. have sort of creative brain because we will give messaging to them and it's their job to figure out how can I, like this is a USP or we'll call it like a UVP driver email where there's, basically a big promise in the in the lead there's a hero image there's a big promise there's you know i know i'm getting a little in the weeds here but you know there's like blocks where we're we're describing a certain benefit and it's their job to figure out visually now what does what should that look like what's the image that goes with that what kind of design goes with what we're saying here in the email and i think so many people that's one place i'll take a hard stance against most other agencies and email marketers is I think people have it backwards. I think they they usually put the copy into a design almost like an afterthought. And and I for us, it's always worked the other way around. And I just think that's why it's more effective to use direct response in this way. You, you, I, I, I think you're giving maybe more credit than is actually merited for the boilerplate stuff in my inbox because it looks to me frequently like both the copy and the visuals were sort of 
dragged off a shelf and plopped in place. It's like, God, enough with the clip art, enough with the stock photography. How, right? Like it just doesn't register anymore. And, and having an actual, you know, having someone take the creativity that a visual artist can have and put it to that message, not a generic, but that message, that's powerful. Yeah, that's really powerful. No, I know. And it's, it's not super easy, right? And it's, it's, no. you know, it's a, it's a task for sure to get the, um, and <clears throat> we want to scale this, this whole thing. And that's a little hard, but I think it's worth it though, because yeah. It's, I don't want to live in a world where email pretty much, it's not going to die, right? It's, it's, it is the, and I know you've had the, those discussions over and over, like it's not going anywhere, no. but I think it can be sort of placed in a certain box by society that, that, that we're kind of almost trying to treat it as now, which is like, it's, it's an annoyance. It's like something I, I, you know, I get too many emails. I, you know, I, I can't tell like every day on LinkedIn, I see people posting about how proud they are that they just unsubscribed from, you know, how many different, <laughs> like we have to sort of as, as email marketers, we have sort of a responsibility, I think, to change that. And, and we don't change it by, you know, yelling at people or, or arguing that it, it's, you know, email's great. Like, no, you change it by Doing it in a way where you're going to develop a true connection with a person and help people. I mean, yeah, yeah. if a brand has a, a real mission, a story that they want to tell, which most brands today do, like this is one of the cool things about e-commerce in today's world is anyone can do it. It's, you know, like there are people who are just figuring out they don't have to do some job they don't like and, you know, they don't have to be stuck in a certain situation they can actually start a brand and and they have a story to tell and they have a mission and a reason why they believe in their products. So, you know, it's the job of the marketer. And I think email is unique in the sense that we have this opportunity of being in a private place, like someone's inbox to mm. get this. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But it's a responsibility to do it, it the most justice you to can. Do it well, yeah, no, that's, that's really good. That's really well put. I'm I'm curious your thinking because you mentioned email and SMS at the very beginning of this, mm. and I'll throw this out for reaction. Sure. What I see in text marketing is like stone knives and bearskins. It's like at the early stages, and and the the few that I've the few commercial texts that I've continued to subscribe to instead of saying stop, mostly professional curiosity. Mm-hmm are just sale, sale, sale. That's all they yeah. do. And all they're doing is training me to wait until they put whatever I might want on sale. Like, do they have good mind share? Yes. I looked at a text while we were talking. Ding. I'm like, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> but that's all they're doing is sale, sale, sale. It's personality free, kind of value free. It's sooner or later I'll go, pow, stop. Yeah. I'm the same way. Um, yeah. Same thing where I'll sign up usually out of professional curiosity. Yeah. And I wish I had some good examples for you. I know that there are people, there are some pioneers with SMS doing it in a more personalized way, I'll personality. Yeah. I think it's, there's a limitation of that platform right now. And I, I agree with you. I think it's, it, we're in the early stages of it Yeah, because it is very hard to do what we can do on email yeah. because 
we're so limited by the the number of characters and so on and so forth, right? So I think that the way that you treat SMS as a brand has to be essentially it's a it's a one level of exclusivity up from the email list. It should be essentially it should be secondary to the email list, but complementary. So mm-hmm. people who get on the SMS list are giving you the most private channel they have. They're giving you access to them in the most private way they can. So you have to respect that and and you have to sort of, they should get better things than other people do. It is right now primarily a channel for sales. And again, it's the limitations of the platform. It's the cost and stuff like we're seeing more and we do some engagement and some, some like SMS that are a little bit more personality, a little bit more content. Yeah. It's just hard because you're so limited in the amounts that you can do. Well, and, and your, your attention allocation at the other end mm. will get exhausted quite quickly. Why? It's a high priority interrupt. And even if I think your writing is witty and your you know corporate persona is great and all that other stuff, I really don't want to get a ping from you. Right. too often. Why? Because I will look at it. Right. And there's no way you're going to write something that I actually want to look at, you know, yeah. twice a day or something like that, because man, that was, you know, nanoseconds of my time that just went looking at the screen when that thing yeah. popped up. Yeah. Got it. Brands <laughs> that have brands that have figured out the sort of content personality stuff in the email channel and then the useful functional stuff on the text channel, you know, your, your clubs are on the way, so to speak. Right, right, like, right. Okay, definitely done. Why? Because I do care about when those arrive. Yeah, right? and and I think definitely for for those kinds of of things, like the the post purchase journey yeah, should definitely yeah, be. Yeah. The other thing that that I found that we'll use it for very effectively is giving people early access to something. Yeah, um, that's good. Whether it's the new product that you're launching or whether it is your Black Friday sale that yeah. everyone's doing most effective thing you can do is let them know like a week in advance, send a text. And we don't send texts every day. You don't, it's not the same as email, Yeah. but we'll give people a heads up. Like, Hey, since you're on this list, you're going to get something earlier than everyone else. So look out for this text. Nice. And then you send them the text and they are getting it earlier than everyone else. We found that to be really, really effective. It makes sense. It makes sense. And you would, you would reserve that you don't, don't fake that one. Cause you'll get caught. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, of course. Uh, yeah. No, no <laughs> fake scarcity, no fake, no fake scarcity. Yeah. No, no fake exclusivity. You know, that, that all has to be real. That um, all has to be real. Well, Josh, this has been a gas and I'm, I'm trying to respect the time of a guy running an agency. I think we could probably go on for another hour. Any, any parting recommendations if someone's listening and saying, I really need to up my email game. What, what do you say to him? For sure. Can I tell you about my newsletter real quick? Is that Absolutely. Cool? Okay, cool. We have a, a, a newsletter called The Email Revolution. And we are basically like our, our promise with the newsletter is we'll give you an edge in pretty competitive marketplace by showing you how to use direct response email marketing with your brand or, you know, with your company. So that's called The Email Revolution newsletter. And I got a URL to make it like super easy to remember. It's email123.club. Uh, super easy. I'd 
again, I, I like radio, so we we want want you to remember email, if you're just listening, email one two three dot club. Is parked free courtesy of GoDaddy. But we just I did this today for your show, so it'll oh okay, be, cool. Because uh, I was going to say I want to put the link okay, in yeah. the episode I, notes. Okay, it cool. will be there. It'll Let's be make there. sure. Yeah, we'll make sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll <laughs> co- correspond and and make sure it's live. There's a great book you might pick up. Pick it up on ABE Books. I'm not sure you can find it on Amazon. Empires, Empires of the Air, History of Radio. Freaking okay. great read. Very great yeah. read. Yeah. I've done, I did two and a half years of radio in college, just did on you? the college station. Yeah, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I, one day I would love to be like on a commercial. Yeah. Yeah, you got the voice for it too, man. Yeah, Empires of the Air. I've read it probably three times. It's just fascinating. Watching a, you know, watching a media that brought, you know, that brought other pers- other people's personalities into living rooms. That was revolutionary. Like that had never happened yeah. before. And, you know, think fireside chats and FDR. Right. To, to get a, you know, glimmer of the, of the impact. Anyway, well, cool. Josh Krupka, the email agency. It's theemailagency.com. Yes. That's yep. where people That's hunt you down. Well, Josh, it's been a fantastic conversation. I am so glad you agreed to come on board. Thank you, Matthew. And yeah, this has been really fun. I think it's it's really cool what you're doing because the future of email is like the perfect name for these conversations. <laughs> so I might have some people I could I could connect you with to have on the show that would be really cool. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Send them my way. Send them yeah. my way. 